You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. Well, turn in your Bibles, if you would, this morning to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 18, verse 18, or like Lisa said, if you're following along on your church app, you can go ahead and turn there to Luke chapter 18 as we continue a series that's entitled, Did Jesus Really Say That? We've been looking over the last few weeks of some things that Jesus said, some interactions that he had with people that can leave us going, did Jesus really say that? Because some of the stuff that Jesus says, how many of you would agree it's tough stuff? But like we learned in the first week, it's the tough stuff that we get through to get to the great stuff. And whenever Jesus has tough stuff for it, whether it be for us, whether it be words that he would encourage us to walk in, we will move from the tough to the great when we are able to follow his direction in our lives. So this morning we're going to continue in that. And, and I would say we're going to also see another saying of Jesus that, that will make us wonder, did Jesus really say that? There's an interaction that he had with a young man. He's known in in the book of Matthew and also here in in Luke as a rich young ruler. And this interaction that Jesus had and, and, and the exchange that he has with him, while it was an exchange that happened thousands of years ago, the lessons apply today. In fact, I think many of us could find ourselves in the place of the rich young ruler. Some of you are doubting me because you just went to the ATM earlier this week and you don't think you're a rich young ruler. But there's things in your life that while his area of what might have been a struggle with finances, we may find struggles in other areas. We might find things that Jesus would want to draw out of us that's painful to allow him to draw out of. Things that we hold on to with a white knuckle grip that Jesus would say, I want that too. In Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 18, let's see what Jesus says to this young man and how the truths, the lessons that are in here apply to us today. It says in verse 18, a certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. And all mothers said, Amen. Amen. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor. And then you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And when he heard this, he became very sad. Because he was very wealthy. And Jesus looked at him. And and, and as he looks at him, you you can almost get the sense that Jesus looks at him with as much sadness as the young man felt being sad, having to follow this commandment of giving up his wealth. Jesus looks at him. And I can see it with this compassion in his eyes. He says this, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard this asked, who then can be saved? And Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Say that with me. What is impossible to man is possible 
with God. All things are possible with God. You need to hear that again. All things are possible with God. And I say this very intentionally this morning. Because we have a way of thinking that we wouldn't admit to anybody else. Not even to ourselves sometimes. We have a way of feeling things that we wouldn't admit to anybody, not even ourselves. And that's this. In my life, some things are possible with God. In my life, a lot of things are possible with God because the enemy loves to lie. He loves to kill, steal, and destroy. And so you may look at circumstances this morning and you may wonder the validity of that verse. You may say, well, God does a lot of things. And so some, a lot of things are, are possible with him. No, Scripture says it very clearly and very intentionally. With God, all things are possible. The, 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 the cloud that's over your head, the mountain that's in front of you, you may be internalizing and questioning and wondering, God, is it really possible that you can have victory in my life through whatever I'm going through? And the answer is a resounding yes. It's unmistakable. The answer is yes. Because with him, all things are possible. We're going to see here in this scripture that Jesus is teaching us three lessons. Three lessons. He's teaching us a lesson of lordship. He's teaching us a lesson about lies. And he's also teaching us a lesson about love. Now, there's obvious um, financial implications and lessons that we can learn from this. So let's look at some of those real quick before we move on with the way I think that it really applies to all of us in those three lessons. The lesson of lordship, lesson of lies, and the lesson of love. The first thing is this. Write this down in your notes. It says that money and possessions are neutral. They are neither good nor bad. The problem is with our humanity. Let me say that again. Money and possessions are neutral. They are neither good nor bad. The problem is with our humanity. I heard this story of a volunteer who was working for the United Way, and he was going through his um, accounts and and seeing um, individuals who had not contributed for a while because they were trying to raise some money. And he noticed the name that was on there. It was the name of a very wealthy lawyer uh, that was in town, made over $600,000 a year, but had not contributed anything for quite some time. And so he goes, I'm going to give it a shot. I might as well ask the guy. So he calls him up and he goes, hey, we've been going over our records and our records indicate that you haven't contributed for a long time. Would you like to do that? And he said, oh, really? Well, does your records also uh, reflect that my sister's husband was killed in a car accident and now she has no way of supporting her three kids? Does your records indicate that, that my, my brother, he fell and he broke his neck and he can't provide for himself, he needs a nurse? Does your, does your records indicate that? And, and this guy is mortified. The volunteer is like feeling so bad. I'm so sorry, I didn't know these things. And, and, the, and the, the lawyer responds to him, he goes, you guys have some nerve. If I won't give to them, why would I ever give to you? Some of you just got there. <laughs> you just figured it out. 
Let me read this again. Money and possessions are not neutral. They are neither good nor bad. The problem is with our humanity, right? Money, it doesn't make you evil. What is it? The love of money does. It's the way that we look at what God has given us to steward. We look at it as something that is ours rather than his. And when we do that, it warps our thinking. It warps the way we see things. Write this down, if you would, for number one. The deception of riches and what it does. Riches gives a false sense of security and can blind us to our spiritual need. Riches give us a false sense of security and can blind us to our spiritual need. When we're dependent upon our money, we cease being dependent upon God. And God has said, be dependent upon me and nothing else. And when I'm focused on my finances, when I'm focused on my money, when I'm focused on wealth, I have a temporary here and now perspective. But God has called us to have an eternal perspective, a spiritual perspective. And any single time I get those two things mixed up, I live less than. And he becomes less than in my mind. It's a lordship issue. Number two, Greed and the pursuit of riches will lead to idolatry. Greed and the pursuit of riches can lead to idolatry. Because we become so focused on our finances, so focused on our riches, that God becomes second. The third thing we can see this morning is this, is that the pursuit of riches can cause us to be consumed with the present and sacrifice the eternal. We sacrifice the eternal. Write this down. As followers of Jesus Christ, here's what we're called to. We're called to seek the blesser and not the blessing. Seek the blesser and not the blessing. It's all about lordship and not hordeship. It's not even a word, but it rhymes, okay? That's what pastors do. We just rhyme. Lordship, it is not hordeship. The last thing is this. We have to use money, not worship money. So all of these lessons are, are readily apparent, right? All, all this you see in this interaction that Jesus is having with this rich young ruler. And so what happens in church and when we're, when we're listening to a sermon, we, we say to ourselves in a way that's not true, well, you know, I, I don't, this rich young ruler, he's, I'm not like him. Number one, I don't have money like that. <laughs> Right. Or, or we say, well, we're not financially wealthy or whatever it might be. So therefore, all that Jesus is speaking to him pertains to him and pertains to somebody else who actually is rich. Not me. I would I would suggest to you this morning that every single one of us can find ourselves being that rich young ruler, regardless of what your bank account says. You see, what Jesus was doing is he was using finances to speak to the heart. It was never about the money. It was never about the money. It was about what was in the heart of this young man. And so if I were to be in his shoes today, Jesus says, Jeremy, there's some things I want to talk to you about. And he may not talk about finances with me, but it could be substituted for something else. What if it's a bad attitude that I carry around? What if it's a, a relationship that I have that I, that I should be letting go, that I've allowed to consume me and take over the place of Jesus? What if it's an addiction? What if I'm carrying around an, an addiction? And I said, God, you can have all areas of my life, but this one is tough. 
this, this area of finances was just the thing that spoke to his heart. But my question to you this morning is, what's the thing that the Holy Spirit would show you that would speak to your heart? Is there something in your life this morning that you're holding on to with a white knuckle grip, just like this young man was? Is it a dream that you've had that has allowed you to, to become blinded to the greater plans and purposes that God has for you? might be finances. It can be one of a million things. We don't, I'm not even going to try to exhaust the list because it's inexhaustible. Because we all have that one thing that Jesus would say, yeah, I want that too. And when he called it out of this young man, it's so heartbreaking to hear that this kid, he walked away sad, dejected, because he couldn't give it up. And what he failed to see is the very thing that he was holding on to was the very thing that was keeping him from all that he ever really needed in his life. And that was the personhood of Jesus. What Jesus was calling him to sacrifice paled in comparison to what Jesus wanted to do in his life. And the same for you and for me. That one thing, whatever it might be that God is calling you to give up, when you, when you surrender that, and what you receive in return in intimacy and relationship with Jesus Christ, that thing that you gave up, you just wonder, why did I ever hold on to that to begin with? Jesus was giving a lesson about lordship, that I am Lord of all, that I am Lord of all. And when you looked at this young man, he would seem like he had it all together, right? I mean, he even said, you know, look at all the things that I'm doing. I, I'm not committing adultery. I'm, I'm, um, I'm, I'm, you know, not lying. I'm not stealing. I'm honoring my father. I'm honoring my mother. But there was a lordship issue because there was still one thing he wouldn't surrender. It was the very thing that God said, surrender to me now. This is what I love about how Jesus puts this to. Listen, if you would, in verse 22. When he said, surrender these things. When Jesus, when he heard this, he, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. The tense, the verb tense, and this is important, the verb tense in which Jesus was telling him to go and to surrender everything, that verb tense was indicative of an immediate action. Not something to be done in a little while. Not something to be done, you know, next week. Not something to be done when you get around to it. Not something to be get to, to do when you feel like it, but it was now. How many of you have ever felt like the Holy Spirit working on you to do something, to change something, to give up something, and you're like, yeah, okay, I'll get to that, I promise. I'll get to that next week. I'll get to that when I feel strong enough. I'll get to that when I feel ready. Am I, am I talking to anybody this morning? And, and Jesus would say, no, lordship is about responding immediately. Lordship requires that I surrender, not later, but now. See, when he is Lord, I, it's, it's, his, his commands are not open to suggestion. I don't get to dictate timing. I, what, I, what I get to dictate is my choice. And that's to follow immediately after what God has called me to. That's called lordship. But he also is drawing out a lesson about lies too. It's a lesson about lordship, but it's also a lesson about lies. Jeremy, where do you see a lie in all of this stuff? Look at, look at um, 
Verse 26. Actually, we'll go to 25. And Jesus says this, Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Verse 26. Now listen how the lie is taking root in these people. Those who heard this asked, Who then can be saved? Let me set it up why this is a lie. In that time, at that culture, people of great wealth... Their wealth was was um, looked at as God's favor in their life. Meaning this, if you were wealthy, then God's favor was on you. Then the reverse was true. If you were not wealthy, then God's favor was not on you. And they were buying into the lie of comparison. Have you ever bought into the lie of comparison? I've seen it in moms. But I've seen it in my wife. Here's the how many moms would admit this morning that sometimes you fall into the trap of the lie of comparison, like it's picture day for your kids at school. Hello, and so you get them. You're trying to get them ready for school. You're trying to get them all dolled up and and they're clean and you want their hair just right. And somehow between the house and the school, they decide you know I'm just gonna like rub peanut butter in my hair for some reason because that's what God would want for my life. And, and so you finally get them to school. The kids are a mess. You've, you've been in a rush to get to school. So you forgot your makeup. You're wearing baggy clothes. And then walks in that mom. How many of you know that mom? It's the mom whose kids, like, they dress perfectly. Their hair is perfect. She looks like she's Miss America, right? And you see her, and you're praying inwardly that her heel would break and she would fall. <laughs> Because she's what? That mom. And, and so there's this, there's this lie that, that overtakes us, and it's this lie of comparison, right? And we do that spiritually too sometimes. And how we do that spiritually is this. We look at other people and we say, man, they sure seem to have it all together. Their marriage is great. Their, their finances are fine. God must really love them. What about me? Oh, you wouldn't say that out loud, would you? But you might feel it. Tragedy strikes your family, right? Health crisis. God, I, I know other people. They don't, they don't have it as rough as me. You must not love me. And it's a lie from the pit of hell. It's, it's just flat out a lie. And Jesus is drawing this out. And here's what, here's what, this is so great. He's, he's, bringing out, drawing out this lie so that he can get to the lesson of love. And the lesson of love is this. I love you so much that I died for you. See, the people were sitting there, and in a way, in a weird way, they actually had it right. In a weird way, they were right, but they were wrong. They were wrong, but they were right. What they're saying is, how can I get to heaven? If even those who are favored by God can't make it to heaven, how the heck am I going to make it to heaven? And Jesus' response is this. In essence, you can't. But I can. With man, it's impossible. But say with me, with God. You see, because the requirements for, for heaven, for eternal life with him, are so far beyond what we're capable of. The Bible says this, and it says it clearly, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Read in the New Southern Translation, all y'all, is what it says. (laughs) All y'all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
And, and, and don't forget this. Our God, He is a holy God. Holy. Spend some time in Isaiah this week. Spend some time there. When the angels and the hosts of heaven, when Isaiah himself was standing before the throne and they saw God, they fell. Because you can't stand up to holiness like that. He fell. And they began to say, holy, holy, holy. The God of the universe in his majesty and in his might and in his holiness wrecked them. Hey, I can't work hard enough to earn to be in that spot. With man, there's things that are impossible. But with God, do it again. He loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you. That whoever would believe would be saved for eternity. Why, why is this such an important point that we're bringing up? Well, obviously it's important because our salvation rides on it. The acceptance of Jesus Christ. But there's another reason too. It's because if he loved you so much that he died for you and he moved heaven and hell to get to you, don't you think he loves you in the circumstance that you're in today too? Doesn't he love you right where you're at today? Do you, do you see the lesson he's trying to teach this rich young ruler? He's teaching him a lesson of lordship. He's teaching him a lesson to guard against lies. And he's teaching him a lesson of love. Guess what? You are that rich young ruler too, aren't you? Because I would guess that maybe somewhere in where you are today, you, you, you can identify with one of those areas that you're struggling with. Maybe today you're, 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 you're holding on to something like he held on to his wealth. And it's not about the money. Say it again with me. It's not about the money. It's about the heart, right? Maybe there's an area that you're holding on to. That you've given God so much room in your life to move, to operate, to speak over. But, but here's that one thing, man. Here's that one thing. And you maybe you even know that you've got to give it up. But, but your thing is, well, I'll take care of that later. That's not lordship. Go and deal with it now, Jesus would say. Now, now, now. Or maybe you've bought into the lie. You compare yourself. When you compare yourself to others and you see yourself as a less than, you're no less than. Do you hear me? You're no less than. You're a son and a daughter of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Your royalty, less than. It's a lie. And so he draws out the lie. Why? So he can put in the love. It reminds us, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Dang, someone needs to hear that this morning. Someone needs to hear that. I didn't share this in the first two services and just popped into my head just reminding me right now. My dad and I, um, we probably talk. Oh, not enough. He lives back in Hawaii. I'm here. 
And and we've had a a, a, a a rough relationship growing up, and it's kind of strained. But we we we've we've gotten to a place of of being good. Um, anyways, he called last week, and I couldn't get to the phone. He left a message on my voicemail. Here I am, a 44 year old man, and I found myself listening to the voicemail, and and I was longing to hear my dad still say, "I love you." And so he gets in the voicemail, and at the end he goes, "Okay, I love you, son." Bye. And there's something. Even if how many of you guys, please don't make me feel like I'm just like a wimp up here. <laughs> it don't matter how old you are, right? Sometimes you just want to hear dad say, "I love you." So he's saying it to you. Your father's saying it to you. I love you. Right where you are, I love you. Close your eyes, please. So, Lord, I, I just thank you that you speak to us in, in your way. And, and what we ask right now, just the next minute, is Holy Spirit, speak to us about what we've heard. Lord, show us, is, is there something we're holding on to? Is there a lie that we're believing Or is there a love that we're keeping at arm's distance? Lord, speak to us right now. And so with eyes closed, because I just, I want you to walk in the freedom and the grace and in the fullness of what he has for you. I want that for you so bad. If you, if the Holy Spirit spoke to you about something that you're holding on to, that you're not submitting to the Lordship of Christ, and you know he's saying, give that to me, give that to me. I want you just to be courageous enough this morning just to raise your hand to say, and not just to raise your hand to identify with it, but more importantly, raise your hand to say, I'm sacrificing that, and I'm sacrificing it now. If that's you, would you raise your hand because I want to pray with you. Yes, yes, yeah. Yes, I see you in the back. Yeah, yeah, I see you. God, I thank you for their strength. I thank you for their courage. That they're not walking away sad this morning, Lord God, because they're having to give something up. But Father, they're going to walk out of here dancing because they know what's to come. Lord, I speak that over them, Lord. Those that raised their hands this morning, I pray over them for power and might and grace, Lord God. Lord, I pray that they would walk out of here realizing that you are sufficient and whatever it is that they've been holding on to is nothing compared to you. And I want to talk to somebody in here this morning that maybe is dealing with a lie. You see yourself as a less than. You've compared yourself to others and you bought into a lie and you wonder if God even loves you. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Because we're just going to speak truth into your life right now. If you feel like you've bought into some kind of a lie that makes you feel less than, would you raise your hand right now where you are? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man, yeah. Do do you see the lie? Please, do you see it? Do you hear it? Do you know it? You catch it, right? You catch what the Holy Spirit's saying to you right now. You catch it. 
And so the only thing that we can do with the lie is we can speak truth. And so we speak truth, your word. We speak your word into the reality of our lives. We speak truth because as we speak it, as we speak truth, we speak with authority. And the authority that we are speaking over right now is any lie from any demonic force of hell to get back where you came from because you got no place in our lives. He is truth and he is speaking truth over you now. And he is love. And he loves you radically, crazy, overwhelmingly. So, Father, I pray for my friends in here right now, God. Wherever they may be, whatever they may be facing, we thank you that you are able, that you are good, that you are God, that you love us. And, Father, I pray that we walk out of here in power and in strength and in truth. And if you agree with me this morning, would you say, Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.